our guy Ken Rosenthal joining us. Ken, great to see you, and we've got a lot to get to. I just wanted to start here. We had Jared Carabas on with us just now, and I think he's the first person, definitely on this show, that said, I actually don't want Shohei Otani on my team. I don't know if you caught any of it, but he basically said, or he did, that he didn't want him on the Red Sox, didn't want to be the epicenter of the storm of him eventually kind of aging out and not being who he is right now and not being a two-way star. I heard it, and I was surprised to hear it from Jared. You would think he'd want the action. He'd want the attention on the team, the quality of the player. And listen, he comes at it from a different perspective. It's more of a fan's perspective. But even from a fan's perspective, I don't understand why you wouldn't want Shohei Otani. Oh, we don't want to be the ones when he goes bad. Well, maybe he's going to be good for five years. Or maybe he's going to do some amazing things for the Boston Red Sox. So, hey. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. It's the beauty of the sport, the beauty of our country, the beauty of everything. I just don't really follow that one. Nope, I'm with you there. Okay, so let's jump to your article first. Because um, I'm uh, immediately it attracts a ton of buzz. So can you explain to us your, your latest article that you put out last night about the Mets' pursuit of David Stearns, including the fact that he can now kind of legally, for baseball terms, uh, speak to other teams since he has kind of sat out the year compared to what he was doing for a while. And, and I'll just have you double down within your answer if you think Craig Council comes along with him if he do- does end up with the Mets. Because we had Matt Arnold, Jim, of the Brewers on yesterday, and I kind of asked him, don't you feel like I was pretty direct? Like, if Council does come back to manage, is he with the Brewers? And he said yes, didn't he? He did. Well, we'll see about that. He has to sign a contract. And if he was going to be signed for next year, maybe he would have been signed already. So certainly they can bring him back. And before he is at the end of that contract, right, they can sign him to an extension at any moment now. But they haven't done it. And it's almost like a player. You're this close to free agency. Why wouldn't you test it? Now, as for David Stearns, it's been no secret for quite some time now that the Mets have coveted him as their president of baseball operations. They have tried to hire a few different people for that position and have struck out, and they've been waiting on Stearns. Now, the key development in what we published last night was that as of August 1st, after the trade deadline, he was free to talk to other teams. And remember, the Mets had denied permission, or I'm sorry, the Brewers had denied permission for the Mets to interview him earlier. Now that is not a problem, and we were told, Will Salmon and I, who co-wrote the article with me, that... They are down the road with David Stearns. Multiple people told us this, that the Mets have had extensive conversations with him. Stearns also talking to other teams. Remember, he used to work for the Astros. His wife is from Houston. There's an obvious connection there, but they have a GM, Dana Brown. And unlike the Mets, it does not seem that they want to hire a president of baseball operations over him. Dana Brown, when he took the job, said one reason it's appealing to me is because it's me and the owner. I don't have a guy in between us. Maybe that would change if Jim Crane decided I want David Stearns, but David Stearns has been a focus of the Mets for quite some time now. He is a native New Yorker. He's a guy who grew up a Mets fan, and my understanding from people close to him is that he's re-energized. He's ready to go again. He's had a year off, and he wants to get back in the chair. Well, we roasted the White Sox for going internal, not checking out any other candidates. Have the Mets checked out other candidates? Because everyone else is still hired and probably can't talk to other teams. Good question, Eric. And 
I would imagine over the last couple of years, while they've been trying to hire for this position, they have investigated other candidates. One of the problems has been they've been unable to find anyone that they found satisfactory. The question will become, yes, when he is hired, if he is hired, did they go outside? Did they interview diverse candidates? Who did they exactly talk to? And we'll find out those answers if this comes to pass. But we do know Stearns has been a focus of theirs. And unlike Chris Getz, he is an external hire. He's coming from the outside, coming from some other club. So from that perspective, it's a little bit different than the Getz situation. But at the same time, those are questions that will be asked and should be asked because you want these processes to be open. You want them to be accessible to people throughout the industry. And granted, in certain cases, the White Sox were one and the Mets might be another. They've, these teams identify who they want. And you can't tell teams not to hire who they want. But at the same time, there is supposed to be a wide search done for positions of this caliber. Ken, why didn't the White Sox have to interview anybody? Isn't there a rule in Major League Baseball where they have to go interview minorities and, and a bunch of people before they can just make a hire? They got a waiver? How do you get a waiver in Major League Baseball? Because I want to know. I wrote about this, AJ, and it's a good question. And when the White Sox made their decision, I had two candidates or guys who were working in baseball from underrepresented groups reach out to me immediately and say, hey, what was this? What happened here? No one else was interviewed? And I asked the question, and baseball does maintain guidelines, and they do enforce them. But what they require, if you're not going to interview or hire a candidate from a diverse group, what they require is a process in which you explain to the commissioner's office why you're doing what you're doing. And in the case of Getz, they promoted him from farm director. They now are supposed to replace him with a candidate from a diverse group as farm director or in a comparable position, I would imagine. So there are requirements, but the White Sox historically with high profile jobs have done quite well with diverse candidates. They've had a manager for 21 of the past 26 years who came from an underrepresented group. So with all that in mind, baseball did allow this, but they are going to be held to certain standards going forward, and seemingly they understand this. Back it's interesting, Stearns. AJ. Let yeah. me add one more thing here, because sure. this is a, it's a tricky situation. So you don't want to discourage organizations from promoting from within. Everyone within the organization wants that to happen, right? And organizations, healthy, strong ones, do that routinely. So it's a delicate balance between allowing and encouraging organizations to promote from within and requiring them to follow these processes to interview candidates from diverse groups and follow it that way. So the White Sox walked a fine line here. In my opinion, they should have opened up the process, not just to diverse candidates, but to all candidates because they just kept internal here. They just stayed internal, but that's not the route they chose. And they went through Major League Baseball. They were required to go through Major League Baseball, and they were allowed to make this hire without interviewing anyone from the outside. It's wild. The thing that always blows my mind, too, is to not at least grab intel from some of the smartest minds in the game. That I mean, I've, I've spoken to multiple Free teams. Free intel. Free intel. There are teams sometimes, and, and Ken talked about this on Fair Terry, too, is you don't want sham interviews. You don't want to just have everybody coming in when you already know what's happening, but at the same time, teams have – front runners often and they'll still bring people in for manager and for 
front office positions because they want to see what's going on around the league. That's your best time to to go through, you know, go through another and team Scott, and see what's going on. When I when I wrote what I did, immediately there were some comments. You hire the best person. That is not what this is about. Actually, it is what it's about long term and ultimately. But what I'm talking about is the process itself. If you have a process and you interview a wide range of candidates, diverse candidates, other candidates, and then you hire Chris Getz, that's fine. You follow the process. They did not follow the process. And that is my complaint here. That is the complaint of some people within the game. It's not that they didn't hire a candidate from an underrepresented background. That's not it. Hire whoever you want, but at least give these other people a chance. Give them access. And that's where the White Sox fell short. All right, so just to, to finish up on the Mets situation here that brought this up with Stearns, do you feel like this is extremely likely that he ends up there? Because, I mean, most Mets fans were looking at this back when he, you know, stepped away. I mean, looking like someone who's in the prime years of what he's doing, you're like, what? What's going on here? I do feel it's likely, and he's 38. He stepped away. It seemed that he was burnt out. Maybe he was burnt out working for that team, working for that owner. We don't know the answer. But he stepped away for a reason, obviously. And these jobs are really hard. And when the general managers move on or are fired, leave the job, whatever, in that year or two afterward, they're like new people. Same with managers, for that matter. Those jobs are quite difficult, too. And sometimes they need a break because it's 24-7, pretty much 365, for the executive types. So that could have been part of it too, that he just needed some time to himself, to his family. But now again, it seems that he is ready to go. And the Mets certainly are a team that has been interested for quite some time. And as we reported last night, they are down the road with him, according to several people in the game. From all my law classes that I took, I was taught not to lead the witness, okay? So I'm not gonna lead you, I'm gonna ask a question. <laughs> I need a yes or no. Is the stolen base watered down? Yes, but I know where you're going with this, Eric, nope. and I'm going to answer it. No, hold on. <laughs> you're going to have to allow the witness to have his say. <laughs> the question that's come up, and it's a very fair question, is, okay, we're looking at a National League MVP race between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts, and one of Acuna's top credentials is the 60-plus stolen bases. And you might say, well, this is a year in which there have been already more stolen bases than last year by quite a number, several hundred. So with the new rules, yes, it is easier to steal bases. The reason why I don't know that it's a valid argument against Acuna or to hold against Acuna is because he is the league leader in stolen bases. You have to have context, right? Well, he is the one who is at the top, regardless of the rules. That's him this year. So... 30, 60, if you want to diminish it because of the new rules, I understand that, but he still is quite an impressive MVP candidate, and in part because of the stolen bases. I would also point to what he's done in the first inning. I would point to his consistency month by month. Mookie's been unbelievable in the second half, wasn't quite as consistent in the first. Mookie is a tremendous candidate as well, and Mookie has some things over Acuna, notably the wins above replacement. It's a metric that is an estimate, but he's got a pretty significant lead over Acuna in that. And Mookie's defensive versatility and skill at three positions, right field, second base, shortstop, these are all great attributes. My basic feeling right now is you can't go wrong with either. 
But when it comes to stolen bases, Eric, yeah, it's fair to say it's watered down. But at the same time, when you've got the top guy in the league, he's still doing it better than everyone else. And my question to you, changing gears a little bit, the Texas Rangers, who you talked about earlier today, um, you know, they're struggling a little bit. You know, they look what looked like a great outcome for them, dominating all through the, you know, through the regular season here. There's not many more games left. Do you see them making a push or do you see them kind of fizzling off a little bit? Because uh, to me, it's, you know, Seattle, who's the other two here? Toronto and Texas right now, two out of the three are going to make it. Do you see them making it? Texas fell out of playoff position last night, and it's stunning because as of August 15th, their playoff odds, and I know it's just playoff odds, it's nothing concrete, but they were 95%. They've since gone 4-14. Four and 14. They go into, or they have Houston, with the biggest series of the season, right? These last two games, they get outscored 27-7. to seven. They use a catcher, no disrespect, Eric, but a catcher to pitch back-to-back games, to finish back-to-back games because they're out of pitching. Their bullpen has been horrible. Almost an 8 ERA in this 4-14 and run. So the question then becomes, okay, there's plenty of time. They're a half game behind the Blue Jays. They're still only two games out in the West. They can get it together and maybe even win the division title still. Problem is that bullpen. It's been a season-long issue even after they added Chapman, even after they added Chris Stratton at the deadline. And in the big picture, it's really troubling how much they have crashed in the last couple of weeks. Look at the money they spent in the 2021-22 offseason. That was over $500 million for Seager, for Semyon, for John Gray. Last offseason, they go over $260 million. DeGrom took up most of that, but it was also Evaldi and Heaney and Martin Perez coming back. They've invested an awful lot. They were aggressive at the trade deadline, getting Scherzer, Montgomery. They put a lot into this, and to see it fall short, to miss the postseason, I'm not going to say it would be as disappointing as the Cardinals, the Mets, the Padres, or the Yankees, but it would be an immense disappointment considering the way that they had played up until August 15th. Can you see three teams from the NL Central making it to the playoffs. Right now, that's what would happen. The Reds are in position. And the Reds are stunning to me. And one reason I should say I believe the Rangers have hope is because of what has happened in the National League. At various points in the second half, the Diamondbacks have looked cooked. The Marlins cooked. The Reds, not good. And yet, each of these teams is right there. The Reds have all these COVID situations going on. They have injuries. And yet they're still fighting and they're still winning games. So more power to them. I love watching them play with all the kids running around and not just Dela Cruz. It's Encarnacion Strand. It's Marte. It's Spencer Steer, of course, and McLean when he's healthy. They've got a really good thing going. Can they get there? I don't know, but it looks like the Cubs are going to make it. It looks like the Brewers are going to win the division title. So, yes, three teams from the NL Central certainly is possible. Ken, since you've bailed on me and you won't do any more games with me the rest of the year, I have to ask this question now. <laughs> I know what you're asking. Stanton about. hit 400 homer, his 400th homer last night. Is he a Hall of Famer if he gets to 500? Because he's probably going to get there. I mean, he's got enough time on his contract if he's healthy. Is he an automatic Hall of Famer with 500 home runs? Hall of Famer? I would say no. Wow. So he, would be the fir- so he would be the first one with 500 yeah. homers and not a link to steroids. Right. That right, I know what you're in. asking. 
to me, a Hall of Famer is someone who starts off with 10-year dominance. Has Stanton had 10-year dominance? No. He's had a couple of big seasons. He's certainly had a lot of home runs. But he's essentially a DH right now, and he's been that way for some time. It's hard to look at him as a Hall of Famer right now. Now, at the end of a career, when we have the five years to think about it, Maybe we look at it differently. If you're just judging on numbers, sure, 500 home runs has always been a magic number when it comes to the Hall of Fame, except for the steroid guys. But at the same time, if you're asking me if he's deserving right now, I would have to say no. Fred McGriff didn't get in, didn't get voted by the writers initially, and he was just about at 500 home runs. What was he, like 493, I think? Fred McGriff had a brilliant postseason record. It, mm-hmm. it was a different kind of player. He was more durable. There, there were mm-hmm. things that Fred McGriff offered. Frankly, he should have been in a lot sooner, in my opinion. I voted well, for you him. You didn't vote for him. It's your fault. I did vote for him, AJ. Go back <laughs> to the and he's got the edge over Stan, too. Even if just, I mean, I'm just looking quickly at like baseball reference war, because obviously, you know, he just blitzes you with a question like this, Ken. But, you know, 44 ish for Stanton, it looks like. And he's a negative war player this year, by the way. And, and let's see, Fred McGriff is in the 50s, I know, 53, I think, for him. So and it's not I'm the certain, be all end all, but I am certain that if he gets to 500 and we're looking down the line, that a number of writers will say, yes, Hall of Famer, that he has the numbers. To me, it's not quite that simple. And I like Giancarlo Stanton as a guy. It's nothing like that at all. We're just talking about the player. And I just don't see it. I don't know that many fans would see it that way. Stanton has more homers already and more RBIs and a higher OPS in the playoffs than Fred McGriff does, but we we we, aban- we we ambushed you by this one. So. How many how many at bats does Fred McGriff have in the playoffs, and how many at bats does Stanton Ooh. have in the playoffs? Two hundred and one hundred eighty-eight and ninety-six for mm. Stanton. So that's almost twice as many. I'll no. take Fred McGriff's postseason record. I'm with you, Ken. Tell him, baby. No, no, I'm no. with you. No, no, I'm saying Stanton. Stanton has 96, and Fred McGriff has 188. That's in the what playoffs? I'm saying. Yeah, right. that's what he's saying. You're saying because he, he, even though he has the same number of home runs and RBIs in half the at-bats. You're saying in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Fred McGriff is a pretty good postseason player. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry I gambushed you, Ken. It's fun doing it, though. That's okay. <laughs> hey, AJ, you know what? Actually, that's I just a thought question. it was I just thought that's it was relevant question. because he hit his 400th homer last night, and, no, and yeah, I've always so. wondered like, is it an automatic? Do you think is he auto- is in? AJ, you think he's in? I, oh man, it's it's like what Ken was saying. Like, it's tough. It's like he ha- he he basically just hits home runs, right? Like, there's not a lot of. I mean, got an MVP, but it's like it's I don't know. It's just, it's such a it's such a good argument on both sides. That's why it's going to be interesting to see what what happens if he gets Now, it. if I answered it like that on TV, if AJ posed the question to me on Fox, <laughs> and I answered it like that, Todd, you know what he would have said? Give me an answer, man. Yeah, exactly. yeah tell, tell, him. <laughs> tell him. Tell him. Tell him, Ken. Tell his ass. Give me I don't an have answer. a vote. If I had a vote, I'd give you an answer. But unlike Ken, who has votes in all these things, he never gives you an answer because he's like, wait on no. my Twitter. Put, he's like, wait till I tweet out my ballot. Then you'll know my answer. <laughs> well, first of all, it's not – it's a fun question to talk about, but it's not a relevant question until five years after he retired. You know what, He's not Ken? retiring anytime soon. Ken, I would have asked, you could have asked Stanton in person, Yankees, Red Sox next Thursday, but instead 
you highfalutins took the Rays Orioles. So, you know, I'll ask him when I see him. I believe, AJ, that was an executive decision that I had. Uh, uh, you just wanted to go back home to Baltimore. I get it. The reason we created this show is to find out exactly where Fox places AJ and Ken each week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we got that settled. And now we know why AJ brought up the question. So, no, it was good, though. It's good, clean fun. Ken, thank you very much. We'll talk to you. Where are we next week? Thanks, guys. See you. Cheers. All right, good stuff. That, that was good. And I'm sure a lot of Yankee fans will want to see that and hear that, you know? Well, no, I mean, I, I didn't mean to ambush him, but just because of what happened, I don't know. It's a weird – it's it's like what Todd said. Like, Todd, what do you think? Is he in if he gets to 500? I don't think he's in right now. No, but, not no, right now. Gets, no, right now he's short. No, no, no. But if, I'm saying if, if he gets if to 500. If he plays four more years and gets, you know, 25-ish a year, 25 homers a year, right. It's <laughs> – Stuff. It's a hard question because I mean, he uh, hit 500 homers was auto. You were I, auto I, in. I think he's in if he gets 500. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's hit That's baseballer. Time Cra- wait, hold on. Crouch. Lots of hits. No, no, but Crouch can. I want Crouch's answer. Yes, 100. Okay. percent Because I think the whole like, oh, is he dominant? He was a guy that you feared in the lineup for that team throughout that whole time, whether they were good or not. During his <laughs> during his Eight years before he went to the Red Sox, went to the Yankees, and even the Yankees, he hasn't been awful. He just the last two years haven't been good. I tell you this, and, and I think he's one of the best power hitters we've ever seen. I would have rather faced him than Yelich. Okay, mm. that's Pitch, fair. Pitch, pitchability wise, <laughs> wait, he was much wait, more real, pitchable to real him quick. And also, I want to remind or even anyone... even back then, even like Real Muto or Zuna, Zuna. Sorry, mm-hmm. I mean Stanton was like, I mean he was he was the guy. No, no, I'm saying I would have rather faced Stanton because there was more hole. There's more holes in that. Now, if he gets hot, there was no holes. Right. But if, but if he, he was, was the guy there. <clears throat> no, he was the guy. But what I'm saying is, like, if you had a guy that knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. you you could pitch to Stanton. Like, Yelich and those other guys, there was more danger zones. I mean, Stanton, right. listen, if he hit it. I mean, we, I watched him one night off Shelby Miller hit one out there in the fifth deck in center field. It was like 742 feet. I mean, right? I mean, like, they have, like, four decks. He hit the top deck, and we were like, holy. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. This might be our caller later because we're on AMP right now, and you can get on the app for free and talk to us, which we're going to do in a few minutes. But just wanted to throw this out there. Doug Johnson goes, who's, who's been active in the chat today. You guys voted Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. Get out of here. I don't know if he's talking. He's not talking to Ken because the writers didn't vote him in. That was, the, that was Jerry Reinsdorf for Tony La Russa. Yeah. That was, in the Veterans Committee. <laughs> that was the old dudes. So what? I'm serious. I know. It was. And it was. That was who did it. It was the Veterans it was Committee. His friends. Yeah. It, was, it was questionable. Listen, Harold Baines is one of the best human beings. He's great. So nice. He's great. But and, his numbers are not Hall of Fame. And he also had kidney transplant. No, no, no. Great dude. Recently? But we don't, we don't do that. But that doesn't mean you get an no, Hall I'm, of Fame. No, I know. I'm just saying. Harold, I love you. But. We're going to have fun in the wintertime.